I'd just like to say thank you, Team World Vision, for uh, your efforts to raise funds for clean water. I'm very encouraged as a pastor to see what you've done in such a short time. And it, gee, it didn't turn out to be really a big deal for most of you. Thank you. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. You'll need a Bible. It's upon page 835. If you need a Bible, we could probably pass one out. All you'd have to do is slip up your hand, and uh, we have ushers who would be glad to bring you a Bible. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. An unusual thing happened in 1983 in the ultra marathon in Australia. Australia's, you know how, you know, a marathon is 26.2 miles, half marathon 13.1. This was an ultra marathon. There are different distances for ultras. Um, the ultra marathon was run from Sydney to Melbourne. Some of you don't know how far that is. 573 miles point seven. That's true. And it takes days to run. Shortly before the race began, 61-year-old Cliff Young went to the registration table to register and get his race number. Cliff wasn't an ordinary runner. Cliff was dressed in overalls and rubber boots. Some people thought it was a joke. You know, Cliff did not look like a runner. Cliff got a lot of attention at the starting line, standing with his rubber boots and his uh, overalls. Some people laughed openly. Some snickered at Cliff. The guns sounded, and, at, and in this race, there were professional runners and elite runners. The gun sounded, and the elite took off and left poor old Cliff in the dust. And Cliff just shuffled along through, and people laughed at him. Um, somebody yelled out from the crowd, get this old fool off the course. In five days and 14 hours and four minutes at 1.25 a.m. in the morning, Cliff crossed the finish line in first place. Nine hours and 56 minutes ahead of second place. Cliff set the course record, which was the world record. How did he do it? Well, uh, Cliff trailed the rest of the runners for four days. The difference is, every day, the other runners stopped for three to six hours to sleep. Cliff did not stop to sleep for five days. On day five, day four, he actually caught the pack and took the lead. Cliff had unbelievable endurance unbelievable i hadn't even i had never even heard of this story until recently and so i had to do the 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 research cliff spent his life on 2000 acres chasing 2000 sheep in rubber boots and uh, let let's just i want you to meet cliff we got a little short video to meet cliff 
Okay, he actually did it one more time. He only finished seventh. I have read a lot of marathon stories and ultra marathon stories. I had not heard of this story until this week. Now, here's the deal. Cliff, Lee, Cliff Young had unbelievable endurance. The writer of he, the book of Hebrews describes the Christian life as a race that requires incredible endurance. So let's look at that Hebrews 12 passage. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, uh, look at your text. And if you, you have a, an outline in your program, you can follow along if you like to do that. You're, I think you'll probably learn more and remember more if you take notes. Hebrews 12 verse 1, the writer of Hebrews, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And here it is. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. There is a race that's marked out for us already. And the writer is just describing the Christian life. It's a race before us. And and verse 1, he begins to talk about training for the race. There's some things we have to do to train for the race. You know, and Cliff Young trained by chasing sheep and cattle all over kingdom come. And it seemed to work for him. The writer says, uh, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let me just comment about the cloud of witnesses. Who are the cloud of witnesses? Who are the people watching? See, the picture here is like an Olympic stadium. They had Olympic games in the first century. This was common in the ancient world, especially in the Greek world. A stadium full of people watching a race finish or watching a race start. And, uh, you know, the first marathon was run 300 years before uh, Christ. So um, who are the witnesses? Who are the people in the stands? And it's imagery here that the writer of Hebrews is using, and he's referring back to Hebrews chapter 11. It's... uh, the great faith chapter, the faith hall of fame, great heroes of the faith. These are people who have already run the race. They're in the stands cheering. That's a picture. People in heaven, heaven, believers who have gone ahead of you, and they're watching the race right now. Think about that. You've got people watching. People watching you run, live right now. And here's what he says in verse 1, the first part. Remove everything that hinders Remove everything that hinders. If you can believe it, I used to run track in high school, and it required you know training. It required training for races, uh, and one of the things you did, you know, you, you did repetition. That's what you guys did when you trained. You in running, you have to do repetition, and um, you do. Back in high school, we did calisthenics. We did um, jogging to warm up. We did stretches. We did sprints, we did three-quarter speed, we did full speed, we did different distances. But when it came to racing, remember you had to wear the sweat clothes? We had actually wear flannel sweatshirts back in those days. And then it was a real upper change, you know, when we went to nylon. That was before the high-tech year. And, uh, you know, we, we took those off, and we had these cool little running shorts and these cool little singlets because you didn't want all that stuff to hinder you. Even in cold weather, you took them off. In the first century, you know what? They took off everything. When they ran, 
They took off everything. It was just guys, by the way. They didn't have, it wasn't equal. back. And so uh, it's about removing things that hinder you when you run. And uh, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Now, here's the point when it comes to the Christian life. A lot of things are permissible, but not everything helps you. Some things that are permissible can become a hindrance to your Christian life. You ever think about that? We often just think, is it right or is it wrong? Am I free to do it? And here's the question. Does it help you? Is it beneficial for your spiritual growth? There's just a whole lot of things that are permissible, but don't always help. Uh, some things uh, zap our energy. Um, take, us, take, us, take it away from our walk with Christ. For example, a great one is TV. TV is permissible. There's a whole lot of benefits to watching TV, right? And sometimes you can just plain enjoy watching TV. But what if it begins to zap your energy so that you don't have time for your own spiritual growth? That, then it might be a hindrance, mightn't it? There's a lot of things in life like that. Food is a great thing. It's permissible. God gave it to us. He blessed us with it. But we could become occupied with food and it could become harmful to our own spiritual lives. It could be our career. It could be our job. It could be our hobby. It could be hunting. It could be fishing. It could be striving for A's or striving for C's. All good things and permissible. But what if they get out of balance? What if they keep us and zap our energy where we have no time to do exercise for God? Some things are exercise discipline, like reading my Bible is a discipline that takes practice and practice and practice and practice. Prayer takes practice and practice and practice and practice. If you memorize scripture, that takes practice and practice and practice. If you ever share your faith, that takes practice and practice and practice. Um, so some things hinder. First uh, Corinthians ten twenty three. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Not everything you do builds up your spiritual life. Ephesians 5, verses 15 and 16. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I'm not here to tell you what things you should do or not do. There are just a whole lot of things that are just plain permissible. Enjoy your life. Build into your spiritual life, too. Uh, Secondly, remove sin that so easily entangles, the writer says. uh, Just, and the second part of verse 1 is is the sin that so easily entangles. It follows right after everything that hinders. To to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So some things are hindrances. Some things are right out sin. They're already black and white. They're already off the course, out of bounds, and it entangles us. It's like trying to run a race and you get your foot tied up in something. If you've ever run a trail run where you're off the course and you're running through trees and tree stumps and bushes and rocks, it's easy to fall. And... Uh, some things trip us up and sin does, it entangles. And we take a fall and uh, we get off the race that's marked out for us. Many things can cause a fall. 
uh, for example, sexuality is a good thing, but sexuality out of bounds, uh, God, something that God created good can cause us to fall. Um, one, one of the things I just made a note of here, things like self-image and self-worth, okay? Kind of important to us, right? But is our life tied up in our self-worth and our making ourselves important, or do we get our worth from God? Uh, and just being so concerned about me can trip us, trip me up, or trip Chris, uh, trip us up. Anger is one of those things that can is a good. It's an emotion. It's a God-given emotion. There's a place for it. Uh, God gave us anger to let us know when things are uh, not right. When things are wrong, sometimes we get angry. There's a righteous anger. That's, that's good. But sometimes anger spills over on other people and we hurt other people with our anger. And that's when it becomes sin. Very simply, 1 John 1, 9, the writer of uh, John says, if we confess our sins, this is just Christianity 101. This is to believers. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Confessing our sins is just agreeing with God. This is God's provision for you and for me when we sin. You know what? We're all sinners, and we all sin from time to time, every one of us, and this is God's provision for us so we can stay in the race, stay on the course. One of the most important things, this is one of the, Best pieces of advice I ever gave my kids. When you fall down, get back up. That's what it's all about. We all fall down, get back up. The last part of that verse, run with perseverance and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. This is the big idea of the entire passage. Run with perseverance, run with endurance the race marked out for us. Uh, it's kind of a vegetable passage. It's about let us. That's a team concept, okay? It's right there in the text. Uh, it's a command to run with perseverance. Uh, we, we are running right now. You are running the race right now. It's marked out. There are guidelines. There are, there are boundaries. There, there's where you get out of bounds. It's laid out for us. You walk in that, God is going to direct your life for the rest of your life. It's going to show you the course to take when you get there. Um, run the race with perseverance, a race that's marked out. Okay, let's go to verses 2 and 3. Focus on the f- first finisher of the race. Focus on somebody who's already gone ahead. Verse 2, focus on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, you come up to the race course. Imagine that you can see the finish. You can't see the finish of a marathon or a half marathon. You sure can at a 100-yard dash. Imagine you see the finish. Jesus is there. He's already been down. He knows all about it. He's waiting. Focus on him. That's the instructions we have right here. Keep Jesus at the forefront of your thinking. He is why we race. He is the one who put us in the race. 
and he supplies for all of the water stops and everything we need along the way. Everything. He provides the energy and strength for life. Um, He is the author. He's the first finisher. He's the author. He's the perfecter. He's the pioneer. He's the one who is the architect and the designer and the chief engineer of the race. And he is the one who endured the cross. He didn't endure the cross because it was joyful. It wasn't joyful to go to the cross. He saw the joy on the other side of the cross, the price he would pay for what he would receive. And it would be the salvation of millions of people. To see the end, to see the joy for that. Um, Secondly, study the life of Jesus. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So it's about focusing on Jesus. It's about centering your life around Jesus. Uh, when, When we drift away, there are times that we drift some, just going into neutral puts you in a drifting mode. If you're not moving ahead with Jesus, you're drifting. And it's, it's about coming back to the center. And he is the center. Focusing on Jesus will help you in the race. Um, when you grow weary, don't lose heart. Consider him who endured. Uh, and it's about, hey, study the life of Jesus. Learn how he handled uh, life. Philippians 4.13, one of my favorite passages. I have many favorite passages. Philippians 4.13. My very first week as a follower of Christ, at the age of 25, I learned this verse. I can do everything through him. King James says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. I can do everything that Jesus wants me to do. I can do everything he wants me to do through him. Who strengthens me. He provides the strength I need. Doesn't say I get everything I want in life. He provides the strength for everything he wants me to do. And I can tell you, it's absolutely true. Verses 4 through 11, endure the hardship for the race. And verses 4 through 6, he starts with uh, being encouraged by the eternal perspective. Be encouraged by the eternal. And the writer starts out in verse 4, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding of your blood. You're going to run tomorrow and have to shed blood? No. In the first century... There was persecution in the church. And the writer is just marking out, hey, you guys haven't shed blood yet. You haven't, there, martyr, martyrdom is happening in the first century church, but it hasn't happened here yet. That's what he's noticing here. And it's pretty amazing that we live in this country and the experience we've had to live here and the freedom we've had here to worship may not last forever. And he says, uh, in your struggle against sin, by the way, that's one of those athletic terms. It's about uh, exercise. And it's like uh, 
being in a great wrestling match, this struggle against sin that you've experienced. And he says in verse 5, And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you and son. The readers have forgotten something. They've forgotten something in Proverbs chapter 3. And here it is uh, in Hebrews 12. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone as a son. This was meant as encouragement. Now, we don't always like to think about discipline. It's going to encourage us. It's going to help us. And the writer of Hebrews wants his audience to understand. One of the things that we need to know is the word discipline is a very good word. It means child training. It's like the parent who is caring for his own child and he wants the very best for that child. And sometimes parents say no, don't they? And sometimes parents have children face consequences, don't they? It's a positive term, child training, if you are a child of God. And the danger here, uh, the writer tells us, is um, about losing heart. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart. That's the danger of finding yourself in hard times and finding yourself in difficult circumstances and giving up. It doesn't seem to be worth it. And the writer says, don't lose heart. Do not make light of the Lord's training because the Lord trains those he loves and he loves you. Don't be surprised by training events. And God uses them for good. God's discipline is a sign of his love for you. If God lets a person get away with nearly everything, what does that say? Not a child. There are going to be consequences in another way. God's going to discipline his children, those who are followers of Christ, those who are in God's family, um, pretty much in a regular kind of way, in a healthy kind of way, like a parent with a child. Um, Verses 7 through 11, see how God's discipline produces righteousness and peace. This is from the eternal perspective. And he says in verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. He's saying, endure. In running a race, running a half marathon or a marathon tomorrow, you're going to have to endure some difficulty, some discomfort will happen uh, in the race. And in life, the writer says, endure hardship as training from God. Uh, Endure means to persevere. It means stay the course. It means hang in there. It means hold on. Don't give up. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Now, in using the word son here, it's not just like a male term. It's really talking about the equality of inheritance. And um, in this sense, everybody who's a child of God is a son of God. It's about... 
um, being in God's family. And in Christ, there's not a distinction in equal value between male and female. They are equal, okay? It's about understanding the text. There's, there is a danger of bringing our culture, cultural values to try to determine what the text is saying by reading our culture into the text, understand the meaning of the text. Verse 9, Moreover, we have all had human teacher, or fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? God is the Father of angels. Most of you probably had a dad. Some of you maybe didn't have a dad. Some of our dads were really good. Some of them were just kind of average. Some of them weren't good at, very good at all at being a parent. And they disciplined us from time to time. Sometimes they did a good job. Sometimes they didn't. Here's the, the great thing. You and I have a perfect heavenly dad who always, always, always when we face difficult times, uses those for our good. That is a great confidence to know when you're going through something hard that out of this can come something good. I just need to hang in there and walk with God even when it's tough. Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Does that seem like a no-brainer? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces the harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Preparing for a race requires discipline. For for you half marathoners who are training for Team World Vision, about, what is it, 11 or 12 weeks ago, your first long run was three miles um, last week, your long run was 10 miles. Some of you had never run 10 miles before. And if just each week, you just kept adding a little bit of mileage to your week schedule. And by the time you get down here, you're ready. You're ready tomorrow. You're going to run, some of you are going to run 13.1 for the very first time or walk it. And you're going to be able to do it because you followed a plan. By the way, you took it by faith. You did something new, and you took it by faith to follow uh, a plan. And you have endured uh, some... It wasn't always easy. Um, I just text my daughter today. She's training for a marathon. and She's had two 20-mile runs, and never in her life before had she run 20 miles until just last week and a couple of weeks back. And it just, each week, it's about adding mileage to your schedule. Some people think you're supposed to go out and run 20 miles every day. That's not how it works. But, um, so God uses training to produce a harvest of righteousness and peace. And it's an abundance. God uses, in the Christian life, things that we go through that are difficult to shape us to get us in shape so that we're shaped more like Jesus. That's how he works the plan. Galatians 6, 9, and 10 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family 
of believers. Don't become weary. Don't lose heart. Stay the course. Keep on keeping on. Do good to all people. Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil. That's the danger in the struggle against sin is to give up, to become weary, to lose heart, and say, God, I'm tired of this. I'm out of here. And the writer says, don't be overcome by evil. The great thing is, as you walk with God, you can overcome evil with good. Okay, number four. Here we are. We're, we're coming into home. Help other members in the body during the race. Help other members in the body during the race. When, when I think about Team World Vision, I think of the people that make up our team. Different people, different ages, different personalities, different strengths and weaknesses. They run in different social circles. And it's like it's a, the body of Christ in miniature. Different people, different backgrounds, different experiences coming together for one purpose. And it was to help some people in Africa with clean water. That's a team concept. So is the church a team concept. And um, the writer tells us in verse 12 to care for other members in the body. He says, verse 12, therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. So you're going to feel that probably around mile 10 or 11, some of you. Um, this is for an individual. Yes, it applies to us as individuals, but it applies to us as the body here. Some of the members in the body are not as strong as others or for a period of time, and they need other people to come around them and to help them. And uh, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Um, Romans twelve ten. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, Honor one another above yourselves. In the body of Christ, we, we are to have a commitment to each other. We are a team. We're pulling for one thing. And uh, this is where the team helps, where we come around each other. In 1997, I ran the Twin Cities Marathon. I know that's hard to believe. Right around uh, mile 15 or 16, three young college girls jumped onto the course to run with their friend. Don't do that. By the way, it's against the rules on all major races. These three gals came across in front of me, and they ran with their friend. And I'm running in a group. I don't know any of these people. It's just like most races. You don't know the people, and you're in the race, and you start talking with people. So these three college gals are right here, and they're running, and they're running. And mile 17, these three nice college gals decide to leave the course and let their friend continue the race. They just cut in front of all of us. The last of the gals ran right in front of me, and I nailed her. And um, I went headlong and did a somersault over my head, on my knees and hands at mile 17. You know what it's like to get up after running 17 miles and being forced into a fall? And the girls were mad at me. You do not impede a runner on the course, ever. And the amazing thing was, I didn't know these guys around me. They all grabbed me, got me up on my feet to make sure I was okay. 
They talked to me. I started running again. Some of them just hung there to see if I was okay. That's what it's supposed to be like in the body of Christ. Sometimes we, we fall or we get injured or we get hurt, and we need somebody to come and pick us up and help us to get back uh, on the course. Uh, Romans twelve fifteen and 16 says this, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Come, come alongside of people as they go through life. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. This is the body of Christ because we're all equal at the foot of the cross. Jesus levels everybody. Some people need to know they're raised up and some people need to know they got to be humbled a little bit at the foot of the cross. We place our faith in Christ. We're, we're all on an equal plane and we need to live it out. Galatians chapter 6, uh, verse 2. Carry each other's burdens and this way you, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Sometimes we need to carry another person's burden. The word for burden is it's something that's bigger than you can carry by yourself. It's the idea of a really heavy boulder and it's too big for you and you may need other people to help you for a time. Maybe it's prayer or maybe it's physically serving them, helping them. We are to bear one another's burdens. Finally, verse uh, 13, uh, help others finish well. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Remove the obstacles, remove the barriers, help other people in the race. Um, And then I would like to just finish up with some more vegetable passages, okay? Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25. Here it is. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And say it, let us consider how we may spur one another. You know, that's a picture of somebody riding a horse with spurs on. You know, you're, you're to help people and uh, toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Encourage, encourage, encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching, the day that Jesus comes back and all accounts get settled. One of the most exciting moments in my running career happened when I was in eighth grade. That says a lot, doesn't it? In uh, May of 1963, it was the high school conference track meet. And it was a great honor and the privilege of the eighth grade to run the 440-yard relay and the 880-yard relay. My job was to anchor the 440-yard relay and the 880-yard relay. Our team came in first in front of thousands of people under the lights. And I got across the finish line first. And we set a conference record. That was pretty exciting. You know what? The writer of Hebrews says, we have a great cloud of witnesses. One day we will cross the finish line. Jesus will be there. I'm hoping to hear Well done, you good and faithful servant. What do you want to hear? And what are we doing to train? What are we doing to stay focused 
in the, in the race. It's going to take some training. Training, we train for physical things. We train for spiritual things. I train by reading scripture. I train by praying. I train by trying to live out what I know. And the Christian life is a race. Okay. So now's the time to make your path straight. Now's the time to evaluate. Here's what I'm going to do to close our service. I'd like to pray for the runners and walkers. Okay? Why don't the runners and walkers come down just close? Stand right up here, and I'm going to pray for you tomorrow. All right? Runners and walkers, please just come up. I'm not going to make you do anything. I just want to pray for you. You guys are pretty awesome. Thank you for serving Jesus. Thank you for making a commitment. Thank you uh, for how you have worked to help raise support for people in Africa. Let me pray. Gracious God, I just thank you for the team that stands before us today. And uh, God, I thank you for how you've used them and um, how they've been able to raise over $8,000. And God, we just give you praise for that. And may it be used for good in Africa. And I want to pray for um, our runners and walkers tomorrow, that you'll keep them safe, that you'll protect them, guard their health. May, um, may they all be able to finish and to feel good about finishing well. And God, we want to entrust them to you. And God, for all of us, um, Lord, we're in a race, and um, we have a long way to go, and we just need your help day by day and moment by moment. We need your strength. We need to keep our focus on you. Help us to finish well for Jesus' sake. Amen.